Warning! This episode of The Secret Cinema contains discussions of disturbing and adult content. So, heads up! (laughs) Well, son, I guess you're right. I am a butthead! Hey, hey, Bill. Gun my baby on to a hip thing called Secret Cinema. Oh, yeah. She left me wild eyed and crazy for Secret Cinema. Seen the future, but it just don't phase me like secrets in the Oh, yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Secret Cinema, the film podcast that makes a wonderful contribution to society. I'm Paolo Carone, my co host is Carrie Chafee, and we're rejoined by Emily Neal to discuss Brian Usna's 1989 gruesome horror satire, Society. Society is a film we genuinely like, but it's also a film that's way more surreal and exciting if you can see it without any prior knowledge of what's to come. Our discussion is about to spoil everything, so if you haven't seen Society and don't want it spoiled, turn back now. For everyone else, here's Carrie with the plot summary. Billy has a feeling that something isn't right. Sure, his family loves him, and yes, he's got a cheerleader girlfriend, and okay, yeah, he's the top player on his high school basketball team, yet something feels off. He keeps having nightmares about his parents and older sister, and his psychiatrist doesn't seem to believe him. Billy investigates his family, but as he comes closer to understanding his paranoia, he starts to learn the gruesome truth about high society. As mentioned before, we're going to spoil the entirety of society in the discussion. For those of you who ignored my intro warning, our first clip will give you a taste of what's coming. In this clip, Billy is confronted at the beach by his sister's ex-boyfriend, David Blanchard. Blanchard made a secret recording of Billy's sister's coming out party, a party that Billy didn't attend, and what Blanchard recorded is shocking, to say the least. Full disclosure, I did edit a separate, unrelated dialogue exchange out of the middle of the clip, but only so the clip would make more sense. Anyway, here's that clip. All right, now, Bill, I know you're going to be a little upset about this, but I put a voice-actuated tape recorder underneath your parents' car and a microphone in Jenny's ear. You barked my family? You barked my family? Stop listening to the tape! Listen! I remember my own coming out. I was so excited. Then you can do it with women as well as men. Of course. Uh, you know the schedule. First be dying, then copulation. With someone your own age first. Then, with your mother and me. Then, in comes the host. You'll be ready. Uh, you know, I could hardly keep a straight face when Bill apologized to me about not being able to make it tonight. <laughs> Don't be concerned about your brother, Jen. He's too busy with things in his own world to worry about our. Really lucked out, Jen. Ted Ferguson is really cute for our first partner. Ted Ferguson? Ted Ferguson? Yeah, Jenny and Ferguson. That's just the beginning. Here, listen. Wow, your boobs look totally sexy. Guys are gonna pop high ones the second they see you. I'm a little nervous, though. It's fine. Oh, relax, Jenny. Just go with it. It's so much fun. 
you can strut. Yeah, the hotter and wetter you get, the more you can do. It's great. <laughs> oh, 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 Ted, you are wonderful. No, okay, too cocky, Ted. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, Ted. Oh my God. Is that him? satirical film. Its clear target is the rich, white, upper class, the 1%, if you will, but it doesn't seem to have a complex critique in mind, so the satire tends to be broad and sporadic at best. That's not to say it's bad, just not as biting as many of us would prefer. In our final clip, we hear Billy's therapist, Dr. Cleveland, lecturing him, and Dr. Cleveland's tone and phrasing should give you an idea of how satire operates in the film. Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for our discussion of society. Billy, people are what they are. Now, you have to learn to accept that, and you have to learn to accept society's rules of privacy. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Now, some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's a question of what you're born to. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. Secret Cinema. We're back again, and we have a long-lost guest, a prodigal guest, if you will, Emily <laughs> Neal. I'm the prodigal son. <laughs> prodigal lady. Prodigal girl. Well, she joined, she joined our... Prodigal. She rejoined our family for a very family-centric movie, Society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brian used us, uh 1989... Let's, we'll call it a horror movie. I think that's the genre it falls under, but... It's, uh, let's, I uh, guess, broadly... Family drama? <laughs> social satire. Uh, at times, pretty blatantly a comedy. It's a, another one of those, like, all-genre movies. Yeah. But specifically, it'd probably fall under the horror genre. And we're talking about it. And... <laughs> it's gross. It's super gross, but we'll, we'll get into that but later. we're not gonna tell you why. And... And this movie, actually, this is one of the movies that kind of inspired us coming up with this podcast, because the very first time I saw it, I just saw it on the list of movies that were good horror movies, and this had like a five-star rating, and really? that's it, and so I, was, I, I checked it out solely based on that. This is a period of time where I had, I'm pretty sure, no job, and I was just watching movies all day. <laughs> uh, but I, I brought it home, uh, I went to rent it, and the guy at Out Obsession, when I, I handed it to him, he said... This is the best movie in the store. And that, this is all I knew about it. And then watching it, it was just... It yeah, and then you came home and you said, Carrie, the guy said, this is the best movie in the <laughs> yeah. store. And then we watched it. And I was no, but I watched it first by myself. And ah. then I brought it to you two and made you watch it without any background because it's that kind of movie where you really... The, the less you know about it, the better. And Emily, what do you think of this movie? <laughs> I always loved movies. 
movies where, I love all, most satire movies, and anyone where the bad guys are creepy rich people, cool. Because I originally, thinking nothing about the movie, I just kind of went into it blank, and uh, I thought it was a boring 80s movie with really weird sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely, I definitely noticed a lot more that we we I bought the Blu-ray for this uh, recording and it really emph emphasizes the like thumps and like cartoon and level sound effects that are, are yeah. used throughout this movie. Yeah. There's a real hard crash and the guy falls in sand at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him when he was walking through the leaves and it was like <laughs> There's a lot of moments in here. I mean, I don't really want to get into this, but there's a lot of moments that are like borderline jokes from Top Secret. Like, yeah. in, in terms of. Well, I think that this movie is one like explicit fart joke away from being a horror comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too gross to be like thought of as a comedy, but it is. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely more of a. I would say on the scales of horror and comedy, it tips more to horror. But it's an implicitly funny because of what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I didn't even have to ask you about what you thought tricked you into it. <laughs> I didn't say whether I liked it or not. Well, what do you like it, Carrie? I think that, without giving anything away, I think that this movie is worth watching because of the spectacle that it ends on and no other reason. <laughs> <laughs> For me, this movie, I mean, you know, the, the buildup of the paranoia and the allusion to something spooky going on is all fine and dandy, but it's, like, pretty dull for the first, at the middle 30 minutes. And, because at first you're like, I, at, at least for me, at first I was like, what's going on? Whoa, this is weird. Everybody's acting really crazy. And then in the middle, they get into the stuff with the girlfriends. And, yeah. And the beach and the pool party, and it's like, oh, what? Come on, I, I've yeah. seen this before. Oh, yeah. It's every terrible 80s movie. Yeah, yeah. Teen drama. But then the last, I guess, 20 minutes? Tw 20, 30 minutes? 20, 30 minutes, yeah. 20, 30 minutes? The third act of the movie. The third act is like, what the fuck? The whole time yeah. you're asking yourself, what the fuck? Because it, you know what I thought of is, okay, this isn't giving anything away, but when Billy gets taken to the hospital and then his Jeep shows up uh -huh. uh, without you know, him yeah. having driven it there, I was like, man, this kind of reminds me of the game. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. But it is nowhere near as good as the game. Nor it's as just, complicated. <laughs> nor as complicated. But it, it just, like, that instance of, like, something really spooky happening for no reason and nobody was around. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I very much agree with you that this is not a perfect movie. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly not the, the uh, no. best <laughs> certainly not the best movie at Odd Obsession, but it is for the type of person that this movie is clearly trying to appeal to. And Brian Usna, if you're familiar with the name, which I don't know why you would be, but if you are familiar uh, with him, if you're you a probably fan of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Or well, specifically <laughs> if you're a fan of Stuart Gordon, yeah, uh, director also. of of Reanimator, who uh, usually his movies are produced by Brian Usna, and so it's this certain type of like. I don't want to say it's exploitation like, movie, but I was it's, say it's like gross horror. Yeah, it's you. It's movies you watch because you're like, 
I don't want a high quality art movie. It's, I want like creature comforts, basically. Yeah, it's low budget creature special effects. But this isn't necessarily low budget. No, as but much it, as, but it, but it like feels low budget yeah, at it's, times. It doesn't like with the sound effects yeah. and the yeah. music. Well, it just like when we go through the plot too, it jumps. Like, you go from scene to scene, you have no context for what time has passed. Yeah. Or yeah. how, and they, they they don't end scenes, they just stop filming scenes. <laughs> yeah, but it's people, really abrupt. Well, people will, there's actually, like, a couple scenes where they end by a person saying something that isn't words, where it's just like, hey, I said yeah, I mean, cut. not to jump too far ahead, but those are the last words of yeah. the movie, too. Yeah, they cut the movie with one of the main characters saying like, nothing. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> or they'll be, like, standing on the beach, and then the next scene, they're, like, in a bathroom. And you're like, where? how did they get from the beach to the bathroom? But Not I, that you need that segue, yeah. but it's there's no context. But I've made this point before, and this is why I will definitely defend society as a movie you should totally watch, is because movies that are this type of kooky and inexplicable and sloppy are always so much more interesting than, let's say, Sphere. Like, a big oh, Hollywood yeah. budget attempt at making, like, a, a, a massively appealing movie, whereas this is, like, listen, the key is the gross-out part, and then everything else is just getting us to the gross-out part. We'll do it as professionally as we can, but goddammit, it's not the priority. <laughs> I absolutely agree with yeah. you. Yeah. I, and I would say this movie's worth watching. Yeah. I just would say, like, for myself, and I said the same thing about brain damage, Yeah, is... I would never watch this movie by myself. It would not, yeah. I, like, I would never be like, oh, you know what movie I really want to watch? Society. Well, or Brain Damage. And just like Brain Damage, this is a movie I love because the grossness works in place of actually being scary. This is not a scary movie, but it is gross. It is absolutely gross. Yeah, it's There gross. is no way to deny that part of the movie, and I love that for it. Yeah, and I do, I like that the beginning scene is, there's, it's dark, it's nighttime, and they play every creepy, uh, basic sound, like, ooh, creepy laughter, and like, scratches on the wall, and Doors creaking. creaking, and some kind of squeaky something, and... <laughs> Clock's ticking, yeah. Clock's ticking, yeah. yeah. And then steps. And this kid goes into the kitchen, and he takes a knife, and he scared of something but you don't know and that kind of doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the movie yeah but uh i don't know there's some parallel to the end of it, it yeah it has payoff at the end but it's also like a very yeah it is a very abrupt beginning like it yeah. just throws you in and the, we kind of get into later it's the main character billy and we're being introduced to him and he has this paranoia where he does he knows something's wrong in his life in his world but he doesn't know what and the dream the opening is him like, we see him at, like, the absolute height of his paranoia. Like, in the middle of the night. But we don't really know why he... There's We don't get the moment where he has that trigger. Where he's like, something's wrong. We kind of... We, You're just dumped into his... He's uh, freaking out at night. And his parents are like, what are we going to do with you? And then the next day, he's seeing a therapist. And during the scene where he's meeting with the therapist... The first thing he says 
to the therapist is, it's like a nightmare. Yeah. And then the therapist says, what's a nightmare? And he goes, my life. Yeah. But also, <laughs> he says the first of this movie's many unsubtle, um, I don't want to say metaphors. It's say not even it, that. Say he it. says, if I scratch the surface, I'm sure there'll be something terrible underneath. And then Billy bites into an apple, and then it's full of worms. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> boom, there's the movie right there. Yeah. It summed up, and then it, we kind of jump right into the credits. And oh I'm going to talk about this. I, I'm going to talk about this a lot through this episode. But society, as I said before, works best when you have absolutely no idea of what is. And I don't say that to the detriment of the film. I really mean it when you, if you watch it having no idea what's going in, it is a very rewarding experience because of moments like the credits. And we kind of described to you the opening where he's paranoid, he's in his house, and then he goes to his therapist, bites into an apple, and there's worms in it. It's like this and dream cut sequence. cut to society. Cut to the opening credits, and there's this song being sung. I looked it up, it's the Eaton College Boating Song, which I don't know what that actually <laughs> means, but it's rewritten to be, like, ref like to kind of be fitting for this movie specifically. I'm sorry, did you say boating? Yeah. Yeah, that's blue blood. Yeah, there we go. It's, it's rich people shit, but I don't know the specifics of it. Um, but they're singing it, but instead of just, like, a black background or something, you there's this, there's this thing happening. And again, if you don't know anything about the movie, all you see is this, like, wet, writhing mass. Uh, and there's no sound effects that are giving you any clues, so you you genuinely... The Fleshy. First time, the fl first yeah. time you see this, you genuinely have no idea what you're seeing. And so the credits have this, like, ominous, like, unsettling quality to them. Gross. That I don't think... I can't think of another movie I've ever seen where the credits are so unsettling. Like maybe, I, oh. maybe Hostel Part Two, but this There's is definitely be, so much more yeah, intense. This is like it seems like any any other you know scary movie, and then it's just a wet boob hanging down from the middle. Of the, yeah. the There's something something the wet and bad is happening, but you don't know what it is. It's dark and red. That's what she said. All right. So after the credits, we we get more into uh, Billy's home life. And again, too, the, this whole time, we know Billy's paranoid, and his family just looks like normal, rich, white family. Uh, we see his sister, Jenny. And uh, like any good horror movie, she's in her underwear, the first scene that she's in. Yeah. And he, she, I, 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 I think, what is it? It's uh, Billy is playing basketball outside with Milo, his his, his best friend. The character who functions as his best friend, but uh, who more or less is not developed in any sort of way throughout the whole movie. Uh, but they're playing outside, and they see a van in the driveway, which was there the whole time. And they're like, hey, uh, my Jenny, my sister's ex-boyfriend, David Blanchard, is here. Cut to, like you said, the sister is in her room, and she's in her underwear, and she's, like, looking in this mirror, this giant mirror in her room, and she turns and walks over by her closet. She sees a ring on the ground, and she bends out to grab it, and David Blanchard is hiding in the her closet. earring. It's not a ring, it's her earring. Oh, it's her earring. Because okay. it's important because David Blanchard... Oh, yeah. Dropped the earring. Yeah. yeah. David Blanchard dropped the earring. So, they, uh, uh, Billy helps his sister kick David out of the house, and... How did David Blanchard get in her room? 
I don't know. It's that, a like, big empty house. What? And he yeah, is, that's true. And but he remember, is. too, that they're playing basketball and then they're like, oh, hey, there's a van here. Like, they don't even... Yeah, it's we, like right next we don't to know when David got there. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, genuinely is not addressed. I'll um, give Brian uh, Usna this. Even though there's a lot of, like, inexplicable time jumps, it doesn't, like, detriment the movie enough where you care. Yeah. yeah. It's not like other bad movies where you're like, oh, why would the movie do that? This or, is, it's very 80s appropriate. It's yeah, kind of like yeah. when, when, when Blood Diner, where you watch Blood Diner and you're like, what? Why would they do that? Like, you're like, it <laughs> never is like, it's never Barry Levinson level where you're like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, okay, whatever. They decided to do this. Okay. Yeah. But so, uh, Billy, uh, and I, I would mention this too, because it's, it's clear that, um, David Blanchard, there's no nice way to put this, is physically the type of person that doesn't seem to fit in with the Bill Billy's family, the Whitney's. He's they're, wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> you said that like he was wearing a dirty bag. It's it like looked a like a dirty bag compared <laughs> to everyone else in the scene. Also, I'm going to point out now that it's mentioned, Billy doesn't wear any nice clothes until after a certain point later, too, where he's mostly in, like, sports gear. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, and his whole family is dressed to the nines. Like, Mm -hmm. they even have one of those staircases where you imagine uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast is descending the staircase. (laughs) And at the bottom of the staircase, they have, what, like, a globe statue that's, like, porcelain or something? I I didn't see that. I I, I know there's, like, there's a bunch of, like, crazy rich people props in this movie. It's not... There, but another character, I don't know if you saw, has a see-through glass piano. Like a grand piano. How did I miss that? It's just in the background of a shot. I noticed it just because I was, I like, for whatever reason, I was paying attention to what was happening. But yeah, there's some really great rich people props in this movie. Um, But anyway, so after they kick David out, we kind of get some information about how tonight is Jenny's coming out party like coming out to society the only reference point i have for this is gilmore girls so i know i was I, just yeah. thinking about that so what's it called it's like a debut a debutante ball yeah, i don't know debut. if they don't put it in those terms no but they say it's a coming out it's a coming out yeah. uh, but um because jenny is coming out Ugh, uh, gross. But all, and also too this is set in beverly hills for the added context but, but this is also this scene where she's like it's my coming out party tonight blah 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 this is where we also start seeing the creepiness of what's to come. Yeah, because okay. this is where her dad is like petting her hair and her mom is like lovingly brushing her shoulder. Well, and, most- and- and they're both like, oh, honey, you look so beautiful. And they're totally... You'll be a great addition to the society. And yeah. saying it like in that a little too... It's very syrupy, where it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, cloyingly yeah. sweet, yeah. But yeah. in a way that, like, Billy and Milo are clearly not, so it's not like the whole movie's this way. You feel that there's something weird and off about these people. Because they're totally indifferent to him. Yeah. Also, we should mention, too, that... Yeah, <laughs> during... there's the part where the dad's like, oh, Billy, I saw Milo's outside, and Billy goes, oh, yeah, Dad, but Milo... And as he says that... His dad just like turns and leaves. Yeah. But we should, <laughs> they don't finish sentence. We should also mention too that during this scene, Jenny asks Billy to zip up her dress, and when he does, oh yeah, there's like this. You see her back like bubble for a moment, and he's just like, yeah, her skin. but at this point in the movie too, we remind you like if you're listening to us describe this and you don't know the movie, 
there is nothing, we have no context as to what that means. Billy's being paranoid, he zips his sister's dress up, Her the spot on her dress by her zipper seems to bubble for a moment, and yeah. that's it. And actually, there's like a nice moment where they seem to like have a genuine connection as brother and sister, and they seem kind of nice to each other, and he's like apologetic that he can't come to her party. Well, and he asks and... her how she was after yeah. her creepy boyfriend was hiding in her bedroom. Yeah, and there's actually, like, a lot of times creepy stuff happens in movies, and then it's just like, they let it go, like, whatever, and he acknowledges it, and a human moment, at least. Yeah, it's and it's it's it also is a good example of how the movie doesn't really give you an idea where it's going. Like this nothing. Is, well, and yeah. it, well, and they've already set up that Billy's going to a therapist, and so when you first see that her skin is bubbling, you're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you're Billy?" You're seeing his imagination. Yeah. yeah, you're like Billy, and you already saw the worm thing. And the worst right. thing is pre- presumably a hallucination. So you're, yeah, you you genuinely, and also in these types of movies where people are like, everyone's up to get me, there's usually that moment where, like, I think of something like, spoiler alert, Shutter Island, where it's like, it's all in his head. Like, it's always <laughs> something like that. And uh, I, hate that shit. I hate that shit so fucking much. It's like a genuine, like a guarantee. That's uh, almost worse yeah. than when you find out it's a dream. Yeah. Ugh. I remember my elementary school teacher, when we wrote, told us we weren't allowed to do that. It's so lazy. And it's not satisfying. Well, it's so lazy because if, if it's a dream the whole time, then you can literally make anything happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an excuse for anything. Whereas, and if it's all in your head, it's the same deal, except it's almost even more of a cop out. Yeah. And people never do good dream sequences unless they're Brian De Palma or Michelle Gondry. So, yeah. like, people don't even take advantage of it. But anyway, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so abrupt jump to the high school that Billy goes to, and there's this debate. Uh, like, it's like a debate between two people running for high school, the class Student president. president. Uh, it's Billy and Marty. And Marty is, like, the preppy, dweeby, rich kid. And Billy is, like, the jockey popular kid apparently it's like very he's like the basketball star the class yeah yeah, the class issue that they're kind of trying to set up here kind of falls apart with it being like a rich white guy and a rich white guy being the two sides of it he's so successful at being white and athletic and he's so successful at being white and intelligent (laughs) but during during the debate i would just like to point out this wonderful little moment of relevancy when uh, Marty says something about, like, all the people who like you are a bunch of morons, and everyone in the audience boos, and uh, and Billy says, looks to me like you just lost the moron vote, Marty, and everyone cheers. I could not help but think of the 2016 election during <laughs> that moment. Like, the basket of deplorables comment and how that played out. It was just like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's relevant, but it kind of jumps back and forth as to, like, which thing it's com- like it could be commenting on because it's so broad and not exactly pointed of a satire. I was gonna say I thought the satire was pretty uh, faded. Yeah, it's it's less satirical and more like the 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 core horror thing of like what's an element of real life that we could explore and not like okay we have a strong point of view on this as much as like wouldn't it be cool if we made a horror movie about rich people being rich? Oh, and- we should remake this movie, Emily. You can be in it. You can be the mom of Clarissa. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw, but they started writing a, a sequel 
And I guess it ne obviously never got made, but it was called Society 2 Body Modification, which is uh. a little too on the nose, but yeah, it, someone tried and they were defeated by the complexity of the social status. Well, and so I can't remember if it's before or after the student body debate, but he goes back to his therapist. No, because before they leave, we got to remember that uh, a, a woman who has not been introduced yet is in the front row of the debate. And, and she does the Sharon Stone thing. Yeah, Billy yeah. asks, a, Billy gets asked a question about dress code, and he goes to answer, and this woman, who, her name is Clarissa, she'll get <coughs> properly introduced later, she is just opening her legs to reveal her Clarissa underwear. Clarissa exposes it all. Thanks, there you go. <laughs> and, um, and Billy is, like, fully hypnotized by her crotch. Like, he, he, like, he cannot function. Oh, he's just staring directly at her. One like, of those very really 80s duh. moments. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he has a girlfriend. Like, it's not like he has never seen His a crotch His girlfriend sees him staring at this <laughs> other woman in the audience, and, like, it gets all huffy about it. I like that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she slams the book down. All right, but now we're... Okay, well, so it, it must be after the debate, then, that he goes back to his therapist, and I wrote down some of the things that his therapist says to him. He go, He says, Billy, there's nothing wrong with a little incest and psychosis. And I, I, and he says it, like, very playfully, like, oh, that's not real, Billy. Like, you know, you're just making things up. But then he also says, you know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. Uh, yeah. Also, did you guys notice how many, like, African and uh, uh, Aboriginal, like, masks he had around his office? No. I didn't notice that, but yeah. that's another connection to brain damage, too, which uh. also has African masks that are of questionable symbolic value. He also had some token celery and carrot songs. Yeah. yeah. For some reason. <laughs> oh, wait. Then they go to the beach. That's oh, oh, actually, yes. no. Oh, no. Before they go to the beach. Yes. Do you want to tell, talk about the scene? Oh, uh, yeah. Suntan lotion. <laughs> yeah. Because it's... Oh, suntan lotion. Billy. Next cut is Billy's got to go to the beach. Uh, or so we assume because he asks his sister for suntan lotion and she doesn't respond. So what he does is goes into the bathroom where she's showering and stares at her through the <laughs> shower door. <laughs> when you put it like that, it's so much weirder. Yeah. In the movie, it's weird, but it, it's not as weird as just being like, this guy, this boy walks in on his sister taking a shower and stares at her. She didn't respond, so he had to go to see for himself. <laughs> And there's... What weird... if she was dead, Emily? So every time, She's too... She's worse than dead, though. <laughs> uh, she... So, She's dead to him. And I will say, without giving anything away, there's, like, a creepy thing that happens, and you're not sure what you're seeing or what he's seeing, and every time they do this weird thing, there's that... Yeah. <laughs> slime noise. Slime yeah. crinkling. I think you can allude to what he sees. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so he sees boobs on his sister's back because you can see her boobs and her butt and she's at like the same time rubbing her legs she's just washing her thighs in the shower with her boobs on her shoulders and he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> shoulders well they're weird they're weirdly yeah placed. they're very weirdly placed. it's a weird uh prop that they used and then he opens the, the yeah. he can't believe his eyes, so he just opens the shower door, and she's just standing there with her arms already like, over her Billy, body. get out of here. Get out of here. Not that enraged. She's just a little bit shy. I, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that of all 
all the things that someone should have been mad about in this movie. Was it that? That was, she should have been so mad. If, I love my brother, but if my brother had walked in on me taking a shower for no reason, or actually for the reason that he needed sun tan lotion, <laughs> yeah. I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, I would scream at him. Yeah. Fair. And, and then I would scream at my mom. I'd be like, Mom, Andrew did this! Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Shout out! He wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, he would never do yeah, that. Yeah, Billy got an eyeful, but he wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. And so he walks outside with his suntan lotion, and... Yeah, there's his, no consequences. His parents, his parents are standing by the garden, and the gardener uh, has, a, like, a glass plate covered with slugs, and he's holding a slug in chopsticks, and they're just, like, staring at these slugs, and presumably it was like, hey, you showing them, like, hey, you got slugs in your garden, but the, the scene is literally just, like, Billy comes to his parents, and they're just all kind of, they're congregated around the snails and the slugs, and they're not really interested in what he's saying, and he's like, I'm gonna go to the beach, and they're like, Alright, <laughs> he leaves, and it's just a very weird moment. And now that I think about it, do the sl- does that- Slugs have nothing to do is, with anything. Yeah. It's just no, like- No, they show up later. When? Inside They show of... up at the last scene. Oh. As a almost hors d'oeuvre. Oh, okay. Yeah. And well, and I don't know if you saw I that. I think it's like a, also an aesthetic link, too. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They're known for making that- Yeah, they, yeah. they say, noise. It's, it's a good crop this year. Oh, my gosh. We just went to a lodge in the middle of Ohio, in the middle of nowhere, and Paolo found a bunch of slugs, and he let them crawl all over his hands. Yeah, they love, like, yellow goo on me. Yeah, they were pretty great. gross. <laughs> it was oh, really Just great. like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they do it. Ooh. But, okay, anyway. So now they go to the beach. Well, now Billy goes to the beach with his girlfriend, Shauna. And Shauna is a, Shauna. a hilariously is useless Shauna character. Is it Shauna Shonda? That's what I Shauna. thought it was. I thought Shauna. Shauna. That's but, even a Ferris Bueller callback. Or call forward. Callback? Call Which came forward? first? I don't know. Oh, well, no. Ferris Bueller was three years, three or four years before yeah, this. Yeah, so then it's a callback. Yeah. But anyway, so they're at the beach, and Shauna is, like, basically functionless. Like, I'm really struggling to think of a reason why she needs to be in the movie. But in this scene, she is, mm-hmm. they're laying together, and she asks Billy to rub lotion on her. And they no, start... she doesn't even do that. Oh, he just starts rubbing he just it starts on her, doing it. Okay. and then he tries to make out with her, and she's like, no, you need to get us invited to Ted's party. Ted Ferguson. Ted the Tycoon Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and then two little boys show up and, like, steal the bottle of lotion while they're making out and then yell, die, alien scum, and spray the lotion all over, I mostly over Shauna. And so, um... Yeah, they get it in her mouth. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Billy chases after them, and that's when he falls on the sand and makes the, like, funk noise. <laughs> and he, 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 he's, like, crawling through the sand, and he looks up, and he sees boom, Clarissa. Boom, 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 Yeah, boom, boom. <laughs> hubba, hubba. yeah it's, like, yeah, it's, it's like one of those, those crazy, like, that... and she's holding the bottle in, like, a sort of phallic way and then sprays, like, white goo all over his, fa- his open <laughs> mouth. So it's, like, a very, like, hilariously, like... Sexual. Cummy scene. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, very blatantly sexual, but in a nice little reversal. I a liked it. come hither. Oh, oh, very good. Um, but then... I just... totally forgot about that, because I was thinking about when he runs 
he immediately then runs into Clarissa's mom. Yeah. Which is like this dundering idiot. Yeah. She looks like the two weeks woman from. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she totally does. <laughs> Total Recall. She, yeah. My two first thought weeks. was Divine. Yeah, it's yeah, like a mix. Also that, it's like the yeah. midway between those two, yeah. She's just like a big, doofy looking lady. And they're, they're just like Clarissa and her mom are just at the beach together. Like, I. I well, we don't know it's Clarissa's mom at that moment. At that moment, yeah, we have no clue. We're it's just, just like, who's this doofy lady? A totally lady? random woman. It seems like. This is an obscure reference, but if you ever watch Rocco's Modern Life, oh, it just yeah, seems yeah, yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly <laughs> like 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 it That's seems what like I a, yeah, it's it's if the, if you know the joke we're talking about, there's a moment where Rocco goes to the beach and bumps into a very large-breasted woman and gets like caught in her breasts and I think in her butt at one point <laughs> and she goes, "How dare you!" and throws Rocco. But it seems like that. It's yeah. like you have no context for what is happening, so it it seems like that crazy. But he uh, so Billy after Bubby and her goes to talk to Ted and Ted's a dick and Ted's like, "Oh, you, I don't." think there's anything happening this weekend if there is i'll send you a telegram and uh yeah and then so billy is rejected he goes to walk back to shauna and shauna has just left like no no explanation ever yeah she just disappears because then david blanchard shows up he's like i have a briefcase and you have to listen to my (laughs) come to the pier with me yeah I forgot he had it in a brief. But also, like, they're alone, and then he makes him go to a different part of the beach, yeah. also alone. You know what's funny is David Blanchard, of everyone in the movie, he looks the gooeyest, like, throughout yeah. the movie. He's always, like, sweaty and wet, and, like, like his cheeks. Yeah, he's, like... It's foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is... Well, I think there's definitely some, like I said, there's no nicer to put it, but he's definitely cast to be, like, a normal person as compared to, like, the, like, in, like the way in which the rich people look. Like, they're all oh, very... Oh, sure. And I, I like yeah. that they, they made him as the normal person Jewish. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, oh, yeah. he's Jewish? Yeah, when yeah he, and, and during his... Well, uh, getting ahead of uh, his funeral. Yeah, there's, no point there's a funeral yeah. for him, and there's a star of David over his uh, casket. Yeah. Oh, so I like. I was I like, that. I was like, I'm glad this isn't taking a weird turn at some point. That the normal guy who's trying to save people is Jewish. Yeah, actually, it's a good point. The the normal non conspiracy rich person is yeah. is Jewish. So like, I mean, perhaps to not yeah. being anti semitic. Yeah, good point. I did not. Even well, think yeah, that. I didn't. That's a that's smart thinking. I I've seen too much anti-Semitic shit this week to not be yeah. preach. Yeah. Oh, the 80s. <sighs> uh, well, okay, so now that Blanchard has gotten Billy and he's, he, he wants to play a tape for him, and this is another key turning point if you have no idea what's going on in the movie, because <laughs> yeah, basically all you know is that something weird is going on, and that's it, really. Like, Billy is paranoid. Suddenly, David... <laughs> it's so crazy. But David plays a tape where... Wait, before we get... How did David get the tape? Okay, so David says, I, I, I planted, like... A microphone in your parents' car and in your sister's earring, which is, like Carrie said, that's the earring that uh, Jenny picks up from the floor uh, because David snuck into her room. This is why David snuck in. Which, David must be a total badass if he was able to get a recording device and an earring. This is 89. Yeah. Yeah. Think about how rare and expensive that would be. But he gets it in there and it records 
the coming out party. And that's the tape uh, David's playing is to Billy. It's like, this is what the coming, coming out party was. And, and you'd hope they'd just be listening to, I'm coming out. <laughs> I want the world to know. But no. But when you hear, yeah, when you hear the phrase, first we dine, then copulation, and then you're like, oh, this is getting bad. But, <laughs> and that's her dad. But well, saying he's, he's saying, like, she, you we're going to have a dinner, and then, Jenny, you're going to have sex with Ted Ferguson, and then you'll have sex with your mother and I, and then everybody will have sex. It's like more or less, and then you hear, like, the, and then they're like, Ted fast forwards, ooh. and then you hear, like, like slurping noises and someone going like ah ah in the background. And then and then she then Jenny goes oh I'm so good. But also also yeah Jenny says that and then at some point somebody says your boobs look totally sexy which is really really incongruous. Uh, but it's so this this is the recording David is like hey Billy I'm gonna change your life right now. Yeah, Billy's totally fucked in the head and just immediately goes to his therapy. He's like, listen to this tape. You gotta listen to it. And uh, the therapist is like, Billy, I don't give a shit about your problems. Get out of here. Give me the tape and get out of here. And uh, what happens next? Basically, Billy goes home. Then the next day, he comes back to the therapist and he's like, give me that tape back. And the therapist plays the tape for him. And the tape is different. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What happened? Yeah. So he, it's, it's based, meant to be like saying super things. innocent, like yeah. First we dine, then we dance. Yeah, they no, changed that. You know, yeah, no. you you said copulate with well, your daughter. Yeah. So. Well, and during the scene too, uh, this is the therapist has a lot of again very on point relevant relevant lines. Yeah. Uh, he says. Did you write them all down? I wrote some of them down. I wrote down when he says. Some people make the rules, and some people follow the rules. It's all about who you're born to. And then... Yeah, he says, people are who they are. Learn to accept it. Learn to accept society's rules. And again, another... uh, This made me think of Jeff Sessions and all the leaks and everything. When the therapist says, you have to respect society's rules about privacy or bad things will happen to you. Mm. Consider what we learn about society and how society is something much worse <laughs> than you would immediately assume it is. That, I know, this that jumped out to me. Like, this idea of, uh, of people being like, well, if you tell everybody about our horrible shit, we're gonna kill you, but saying it as, as if you're the asshole. Like, yeah. It's basically a know-your-place speech. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's coming from his therapist, so his therapist is a pretty shitty therapist. Uh, you don't really say things like that to your patient, unless you, that's what they're into, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then, Billy calls Blanchard from the therapist's office and is like, Meet me! Meet me! Now I need to know what's going on! I need another copy of that tape! And apparently, David Blanchard agrees to it. Then cut to Billy driving to meet him, and well, he stumbles upon a gruesome car accident. Where did the van like flip over? It's like yeah, upside it was down. Flipped over, and there were multiple spots of blood. Yeah, there's on just the- like tons of blood, and the windshield shattered. Everything's thrown everywhere. There's <laughs> a, a a body being loaded into an ambulance. The body is covered in the sheet, and there's blood soaking through the sheet. And Billy walks up to the paramedics and goes, "Is he dead?" And the paramedics don't even respond. They just, like, look at him like, you fucking asshole. And, then and they then get toss it. the body. Yeah. You made the good, is he dead, uh, 
Was he slow? Was he slow? <laughs> is, is he dead? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then, also, this is the moment where we're introduced to who I wrote in my notes as Dick Cop. Uh, the cop who only shows up dick to be, uh, like... Be a dick. Super condescending. Basically to enforce law and order. Yeah. Because law and order can be oppressive. It's important to society. Yeah. Yes. Follow society's rules. Some people follow the rules. Or bad things will happen. Society can pay law enforcement to enforce those rules. Yeah. Mm. All right. So Billy comes home and. uh, Is this when he somebody gets called a low rent fool? I wrote that. This I think we're not there yet. No, that's at the party. Oh yeah, Yeah. you're right. Telegram for Billy. This is when he comes home and he has received uh, I saying, a, a... I wish I had been a singing telegram. <laughs> Just like in Clue. Billy receives a telegram from Ted Ferguson inviting him to this party, which, again, I don't know. I am not... I'm not 100 years old. Do telegrams arrive in <laughs> envelopes? <laughs> You're not 100 years old? Answer the question. Yeah, I thought telegrams were just a piece of paper that somebody hands you. I always, yeah, I my understanding. <laughs> Western is, Union has been around from for a long, long time, time. Or it's so like they've a, adapted. Or it's like a guy dressed as a bellhop who's like uh, hands you a telegram. Yeah, like Emily said, telegram, <laughs> telegram for Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine somebody who sounds like everybody in His Girl Friday. Operator, operator. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so he gets the His telegram. His whole family's really excited he's going to be accepted into this rich person party. Yeah, Ted Ferguson. So, Ted the Tycoon Ferguson. And then I think it looks like, according to my notes, it's just another jump to the party. Ugh. And then it's just like boring teenage stuff. Like he sees the hot girl Clarissa from across the porch and then she's and they like, dance together and then Shauna's friend is like oh my god he's dancing with Clarissa and right. she runs off two quick things I gotta mention from, and what else, but what else happens at the party well uh, related to one of the things I want to mention is that he goes in, yeah he goes into like a tent where Ted and like Ted Ted's tent. Ted's crew and is Marty's there the nerd and there he's it's another one of those like what the fuck is going on moments and Ted basically Yeah, why are the fuck are they friends with Marty? Yeah, but Marty does not really seem like you would fit in, but yeah, it's 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 kind of vague. But Ted more or less like admits in that moment Billy is uh, is like he's like I heard about I heard the tape and Ted says like yeah I we had dinner and then I fucked your sister and then everybody else got so horny they fucked her too and uh, I, I want to mention this moment because <laughs> Billy's like saying, like, you're not going to get away with it. I'm going to tell people. And Ted says to him, you make waves, Whitney. You're going to drown. And then he throws him into a pool. Uh, <laughs> and then when he gets out of the pool, Clarissa walks up to him and says, wet dreams. <laughs> so like, let's just hit this water thing into the ground right now. Clarissa has some of the worst lines. Oh my god. Yeah. I wish I could remember what she says to him when she squirts the sp- suntan lotion on his face. It's something dumb. But I, Oh, every but, line of hers is like a bad pun. But in this scene, Milo has a great line because Milo says to Clarissa, at least I don't turn tricks to get my kicks. Yeah! <laughs> I'm Good job, best friend sidekick. And oh. that is also when David Blanchard is referred to as a low-rent fool. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's poor. We gotta drive that point home. Yeah. yeah. Poor and Jewish. But, so, uh, 
so Clarissa takes Billy back to her house. Which so is can not really out. explained. You just assume. She has a really sick apartment or house or whatever. Yeah, her place is where the glass grand piano is. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Oh, I guess that makes sense because she she's rich. rich. She's in the society. Okay, but here's a thing. And since we've kind of talked about Clarissa's mom and Clarissa's mom's in the scene, let's get into this really quickly. She is the result of inbreeding. Or is her dad society and her mom not society? And she's like the product of like half and half. Because we do learn later to some physical degree she is part of society, but she also shows no loyalty to it. And her mom is clearly not part of society. I just assumed I was like, ooh, she had that magic dick. and Something, yeah. Then she just says, I love you at one point to him. So Wait, did you say she has a magic dick? He did oh, to he her. Did. Did it to her. Oh, right. He yeah. did it. They do it. Yeah, yeah they fuck. Bad sex. Uh, really yeah, bad they have sexy. bad sex to like Twin Peaks type music where it's like, oh, <laughs> oh be falling oh, in love. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, Billy. Sees. But more synth pianos. I, I don't. I remember how like the, the the how this plays out exactly. But Billy like immediately post coital is out of the bed and is looking at Clarissa for a moment. And Clarissa's in bed and she is she looks bendy. Like she looks like her legs and arms. Again, the top secret. If you ever saw the scene in Top Secret where it's like the Blue Lagoon parody and the, they're making out, and it shows like all the hands touching that shouldn't be there. It is literally that joke yeah. played. For, like, she not got an a extra joke. Hand. She's got an extra hand, and her legs are places where you shouldn't be. And he sees this, and he, like, d- blinks and then walks over, and she's just as normal. And so, again, we don't know, like, did he hallucinate this? Even if he didn't hallucinate it, it doesn't really make sense the way it is presented, but it's enough to be like, something is way weirder than we have been let to believe. Like, there's something going on, and we still don't know it. Um, or else the, or else Billy is a crazy person. Yeah. We, we still don't know. And, <laughs> we don't know. And also during this scene is where the, how exactly does, like, Clarissa's mom comes in. It's because, and then this is one of my favorite lines, all of a sudden they're in her living room, she's made him tea and offers him cream sugar, or would you like me to pee in it? Yeah, what is up with that? Yeah, he says, you're a real class act, Clarissa, afterwards, and then there's never any moment in the movie that justifies that line. That made me think of Trump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but Clarissa's mom walks in, and it's specified during that moment that's like, oh yeah, a thing with Clarissa's mom is that she eats hair. Do you want you guys want to, like, kind of elaborate on Clarissa's mom? I already said she looks like the lady from two. Yeah, and we did the whole Rocco Rocco thing, yeah. So then she coughs up hair, and she puts it in his hand, and he's freaked out. We should also emphasize that Clarissa's Clarissa's mom does not talk, like, at all, during no. the whole movie. She's yeah, just... doesn't Clarissa allude to her mom having, like, zero brain cells? Doesn't she say something like, you got any brain cells left? Yeah, she's a dick to her mom. Yeah. She shouldn't be, though. You should never be a dick to your mom, unless your mom is a dick. Which is rarely the case. Which yeah. is rarely the case. Very few dick moms well, in the United States yet. Uh, so far. Eh. I don't know. I'm just saying, based on nothing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, Clarissa's mom eats hair. Uh, there's, uh, Billy stays the night, I think, right? Or... Yeah, he stays the night, and then you They see... go to the funeral. No, because... Then no? he goes home. Yeah, because, well, because there's and the thing the with the blow And it's the first time doll. he's wearing, like, 
Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, we forgot to mention. The he, Ken doll. He at one point goes to his car, and he sits on something squeaky, and it's a Ken doll with a screw in its head. <laughs> I forgot those are squeak toys. <laughs> yeah. And then after he has sex, there's a blow-up doll. It's never explained who puts that there. No, it is. Uh, Milo, Milo puts it there. Because Milo briefly mentioned... Because he's like, I fucked with you, I'm so sorry! Well, because he was like, you were ignoring me, you were being a bad friend, and so I did this, and then there's like one other very minor thing that happens early on, where it's like, things that Billy assumed were part of his paranoia, but it's literally just like, like, Milo was like, hey, you're cheating on your girlfriend, so I'm gonna put a Ken doll in a blow-up doll's mouth and leave it in your car. <laughs> like, that's the level of, of a conspiracy that Milo gets into. But, uh... Billy takes the blow-up doll inside the house, and his parents and his sister are all in, like, sitting on the parents' bed together. And yeah, it's, it's the morning. And it's, it's after we've learned, we've heard the tape of, like, them supposedly fucking each other. And so it has just this, it's very, it just feels gross. Like, the way they're positioned in the room, and the fact that it's the bedroom, and the mother's kind of still in, like, like a slip. And is the dad shirtless or yeah, shirts unbuttoned? Yeah, he's wearing a robe. But it's like... And it's, he's like massaging his daughter's shoulders. Yeah, it's very incestuous. Yeah. It's like very much playing up with what we know and just trying to make you feel even grosser about it. But it's during that scene, we're in a very uh, pointed setup for later. Billy says to his dad, fuck you, butthead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's a great moment. But then Blanchard's funeral. Who else wants to talk? Um, oh, well, basically, the next thing where they go to the funeral, he and Milo do, and at one point, Milo just, like, touches David's face, and it crumbles, so they're like, oh, that's weird, oh my god, must just be a dead person thing, and then Marty comes up, and he says, oh, I, I have something to tell you, meet me at this thing later tonight. Yeah, the, the secret spot. spot. Yeah. Which I just have to say, this setup with Marty makes absolutely no sense. Connects no, no sense. It's a total throwaway, and I it's annoying to even talk about because all that happens is they pretend that Marty I know. Can we is, just like fast forward? This is the part, like I said, they where pretend I'm like, oh. Marty is dead when when Billy tries tries to meet up with Marty, and then he gets a bunch of people involved, and the dick cop shows up again. And it's stupid, because there's no reason for this except to fill time. Yeah, it's basically just, like, it's a blatant mislead and padding combined. So there's there's no, like, there's actually not even, I'm looking through my notes, there's no funny lines. There's not even, like, any weird idiosyncratic moments during this section. It's, like, a good, yeah, we probably say, like, 20 minutes where it's this mislead and then Milo meeting up and just relaying information to Billy that the audience already knows. And then, and then he shows up at school and he's like, everybody, Marty's dead. Oh my God. And then Marty shows up. Yeah. And then yeah. there's, and this is when we fast forward to, uh, Billy running outside, freaking out and Milo being like, dude, I was fucking with you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And they join forces to figure out what the fuck is going on. And so, and, and yeah. the note I wrote for this period is Milo is a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> but so during this this mixture of scenes, there's um, basically with all the stuff that they're like fucking with Billy about, it leads to Billy coming home and getting drugged and being taken to this hospital, and it's just a series of things to get Billy to the point where he's heading. He's heading for this like the third act. Yeah, uh, but there is. I'll just, I just have to say at one point in some of this time, the mother says to Billy, 
because he is wearing like a nice outfit for the first time. Um, she said, Billy, you will do our whole family. Pause. Proud. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's definitely, like, there's just enough of a pause where you it has to be intentional. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, and she also says you'll be a great contribution to society. Yeah. But, okay, so they get, just, a, like, we have this big section, like we said, it's kind of a just redundant, repetitive, not super interesting. Long story short. Then Billy, we get to the payoff. Billy ends up, Billy comes to his house and he's trying to confront his parents and it's like the lights are off. It's like the beginning where he's in his house. He has the same knife. It, the, all the lights are off. His parents walk in. He's, he's like about to say something to them and the lights come on and everybody basically comes out of the woodwork and they get one of those like... Yeah, there's like 50 those, people They get one house. of those like animal control things and like collar him and like pin him to the ground and, um, and then you kind of see... You see the confirmation that everybody, um, basically every like older character uh, that you've seen throughout the movie, and like all of T Ted Ferguson, all of his friends are all in on this thing together. They're in. On, they're like, oh, we finally got him. You don't know the specifics yet, but you see that there is some sort of like camaraderie, camaraderie and conspiracy. Yeah, and they is. say, oh, this was so much fun, and you were, we were all such good actors, and blah blah blah. And Judge Judge Carter, they keep referring to they keep referring to a character named Judge Carter, and Judge Carter's in this, and there's literally no reason for you to care that he's a judge or anything. I think it's just he's a judge because the Law and Order connection, yeah. and he's a prominent member of society. But Judge Carter uh, says he comes up and he's like, they have they have Billy pinned down. And he says, "I love the smell of the hunt and the thrill of the shunt." And at this point dun, in the movie, dun, dun. I, and when I watched the movie the first time, like, this was another key moment where I was like, huh? What's going on? <laughs> because shunt is a word that has a meaning, but in the context that's used where you hear the thrill of the shunt, he's like, you're like, he's referring to something. He's like clearly referring to something. And the movie has not used the word shunt before. You have no, you just know that the, something is being about to be introduced. <laughs> Did, you, Did you know that this movie, its alternative title is The Shunting? The Shunting? That That's a solid title. I, I, society is like a, a better title. A way better yeah. title, yeah. But, um, so... But, okay, we looked up what shunt meant, and you said it's a medical term. Well, Isn't it, a shunt something you can get in your heart? Well, yeah, like, it's like a tube for liquid to go through, right? Yeah, like it's, or an opening. I I am not going to pretend I remember the exact definition. Well, but I wrote sort of... down one definition, because I found there's a definition for, like, an electrical shunt, and it's a conductor joining two points of a circuit. So basically, it's a tube or a, uh, like a connector. The key, yeah. the key is the connector. It's uh, a connector. But, um, <laughs> Just a connector. <laughs> but before we get to the yeah. point where we find out this movie's definition of shunt, uh, we have a few more relevant also, lines. Also, shunt is like just clean enough of a word where it almost sounds dirty, but yeah. it's not. It's, it's, it, it feels gross. That's why, again, when he says yeah, like, it's the, like the smell of the hunt, like you don't associate hunting, like you think you think of the thrill of the hunt. That's he the said expression. He smell of the hunt, smell of the shunt? And he says smell, no, of, he said the smell hunt of the hunt and, and thrill of the shunt. And so when you oh, hear that expression, weird. it just sounds gross. You're I like, wrote Ooh. that he actually said 
taste of the shine. Maybe that's what it is. But either way, he's they're mixing up the, yeah, the usual phrasing, it up, yeah, and so. it's very gross. Like it, it is impossible to miss. You know, it's a clue for something. But um, after that, somebody says, "I think it's." I want to say it's the therapist says to Billy while they're all taunting him. You're you, like, because he's like, "You're not my real parents," and they're like, "Yeah, you're not our son." And he says, "Like, we're, like he says, we're." Like, you were never our son. You're a different race, a different species, a different class. Like, they equate right there in a, in a one sentence, race, species, class. And being, mm. like, a different one thing is the same. Like He keeps if, calling them aliens, but they're like, no, we're not aliens. We've been on Earth forever. Yeah. Well, and just, again, to the rich white person allegory, when you equate, like, being in a different class, well, being a different race as being a different species, or being in a different yeah. class as being a different species. Again, it's very pointed, but it's it's worth bringing up. And then also tying the incest stuff back in, uh, Bill's dad says, uh, <laughs> Bill's dad says regarding Jenny, and I think he's talking to Judge Carter, Jim and I both derive a great deal of pleasure from her. Oh, wait, no, the mom says that. But they're talking about, like, how much pleasure we get from, like, fucking our daughter. It's like like the movie is no longer trying to sell. Well, then they bring in poor David Blanchard, who was never dead, but he's now just naked in a hospital gown. Yeah. Yeah. And they bring him in for the shunt, and would one of you like to describe... Oh, my gosh. I was just screaming (laughs) when we were watching it, and I've seen it before. And like, as, as Carrie hinted before, this is absolutely the reason to watch the movie. <laughs> I have very few movies, in my experience of watching thousands of good and bad movies, very few movies have such a satisfying third act in comparison to the rest of the movie. Most third acts are resolving things that have been introduced in the rest of the movie, and society is like, you know what, let's just introduce the craziest fucking shit. <laughs> At the end of the movie, and not resolve anything, and then yeah. and it works. It pays off so well. Yeah, so, Jesus. someone, one of you gets to describe what is the lucky shit. us. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, how do you even describe it? So, well, I mean, they splay David Branch Blanchard out on like a couch. There's a bunch of people who strip down to their lingerie. Bunch of old people, young and, people, yeah, and a lot uh, of people. It looks like they're gonna. It at first it looks like they're about to eat him, like they're about to like kiss him and eat him to death. And Ted, tur- or you know, Billy's horrified and he doesn't know what's going on. So he turns to Ted, who's a dick, but he's like, maybe I can ask him what's going on. And Ted says, "Well, Billy, don't you know the rich have always sucked off the poor?" Or yeah, sucked off low class shit like you. Yeah. Low class shit like you. And then the next time they cut to David Blanchard, people's skin have formed into... It's, like, all stretched out. Yeah, basically, they're just, like, connected to David Blanchard's body through... Uh, it's like they're melting into each yeah. other. There's like oil. Like there's oh, a shot yeah. where Somebody someone's just hand... squirted lube on everyone. Yeah, and they're pouring champagne, which champagne's so sticky. But it's like it is like <laughs> you just see these this writhing. Like they said, the writhing master in the credits is this is 
all of these old naked white people and a few young naked white people rubbing David and their hands melting into it. At one point, someone grabs his butt and their fingers go inside. It's like they grabbed a jello mold. And, yeah. uh, and they're like sticking their hands into his chest. And like, like I, at one point, um, he's cognizant and yeah, aware he's, of he's, spree- he's like, Argh! it's like a pretty horrific death. It's so imagine. gross. And eventually, Ted comes up to him. And it's not Ted, it's Judge Carter. Oh, Judge Carter. Judge Carter comes up to him and like reaches in an area that I have to assume is he his says, tape. he says, now we'll get to the bottom of this. I know, I assume <laughs> like, that makes it seem like he reaches up in his asshole, but it seems like it's his taint, even. He just like presses Something. through the grundle up into uh David as he's screaming, and then his like the judge's his hand comes out, come out David's mouth. And like they're in oh, his the eyes. Oh, the cartoonness of this part is great. And it's just like this. Oh like, my god, the special effects are amazing. Yeah, it's as vividly depicted as it really could be. <laughs> like the 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 guy who did the special effects, who goes by the name Screaming Mad George. <laughs> uh, uh, he yeah, really he did he did special effects for Predator. For Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which and is... And Big Trouble in Little China, too. Space Truckers. Nice. Uh, he also did it for This is the End. I hope for Space Truckers he did that, like, that dildo that Charles Dance has to wear. The, like, electric <laughs> dildo. God, that's a great movie. <laughs> um, God, yeah, the special oh. effects. The, and this, the special effects in this are really where it goes to Stuart Gordon. It, like, yeah. recalls Stuart Gordon. Because it's very much like a, a reanimator... From Beyond type special, but it's effects. also up there with like the Thing special effects. Like I wouldn't, I'd say like the, to me the Thing is like the high point of horror special effects at very sure. least. And this, in terms of like what it's conveying, it approaches the level of quality in terms of special effects and like making the if most. If you can stand to look at it, it. but oh it, yeah, if it, oh my you, God. you can't be grossed up by something you don't believe. And it is so un- <laughs> unbelievably believable. <laughs> uh, yeah. In, so visceral. Oh, it's in so gross. In addition to this part being awful, uh, right before they start shunting David, uh, the mom, Billy's mom and dad and sister are like, oh, let's sneak off. And they're just fucking each other. Off in the, they could off, be fucking this David guy. They could, they're like, but they're well, just like, we just love each other so much. And David, or Billy, goes to go find his family, and they're in the bedroom, and he sees his mom on the bed, and... Yeah. Oh, you talked <laughs> they, what okay, happened. They've, like, fucked into each other, where they've melted and, like, have exchanged body parts. And so his mom is in the bed, but she gets up, and she has, like, men's... She has the husband's arms for legs. And there's this really horrific shot of a dummy that is supposed oh, to be the mom, so... like, walking on the human arms. And then she walks up to Billy, and then out of her crotch pops Jenny's head. And she's like, what she say? She says, she says hey, Billy, if you have any edible fantasies you'd like to indulge in, now's the time. And oh he, like, crawls away. And then he, the, he crawls over, he's by the bed, and then out of the blankets like backwards crawls it's like it is his his dad but his dad is like backing out of blankets ass first 
But instead of having an ass where his butthole would be is his is his dad's face. And his dad says, well, Billy boy, I really am a butthead. <laughs> There's like a crazy laugh. And then Billy runs oh my away. Gosh. There's so, even like a little bit of a funny sound effect like bubble. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This movie was like one explicit fart joke away from being a horror comedy. Because like if the dad yeah. had just like... You know? He did. He did go out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he went, but it wasn't an explicit fart noise. You're right. Yeah, and I get the feeling too that the movie, like in that moment, you're like, the movie does not think it is scary. <laughs> like, there's no way that they're like, this will freak them. No, I mean, this will freak them out. It's not scary. It's more like mortifying. It's more. Then there's things that cut into it, like the judge before he shunts himself into David turns to Ted. And goes, you know, Ted, we've got a spot for you in Washington this summer. Yeah, like they're all having normal conversation while they're melding into each other. While they're murdering the, yeah. Which, that's, uh, okay, this is might be a stupid question because it's assuming this movie has some logic. But after, while they're shunting, you know, they, they're shunting David. After they're done shunting and they all break apart and where they're like, body yeah, go? where does his body go? Well, no, but remember... Do you, they remember, all get, like, do you remember the judge skin? has that moment where he goes, I'm going to pull myself together when they like reform into humans after shunting and he touches his face and he has David's beauty mark on his face oh, now. Yeah. So the idea is that literally they do, they absorb the shunting is a process uh, of like, you know how like, like you know the thing where like, I don't know if you noticed, but when flies eat, they like liquefy the food and then they suck it up. Like, they, like, spit an acid onto it, and it dissolves it, and they suck that up. It's like they do that with a living human being. Oh, they, like, gross. they dissolve him and make him liquid, and then they enter <laughs> him. Like, I can't and then, they, like, the, the, the David dissolves into them. <laughs> and they, like, stay young oh, and so feral gross. and powerful because they, they suck off low-class shit. I just want to mention this because I think this makes a lot of sense, but the director cited for the shunting scene for the special effects that Salvador Dali was a huge influence in oh, how yeah. they nice. how they represented like the dripping bodies cuz that's yeah. a big thing in his paintings is like yeah. these dismembered dripping type uh, body parts yeah yeah so it's, makes a, it's a, a good sense. it's a solid homage yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is also while Milo and Clarissa's mom are breaking in yeah. Sidelines. It's not so unimportant. It's not really important. It only is important because eventually Billy is able to fight them. Oh, that's a big scene, I guess. Well, really quick, I do want to mention that Clarissa's mom, uh, first off, is in crazy 80s makeup for the remainder of the movie for no clear reason. Uh, but also, Dick Cop, uh, they, they, like, I, I don't know if, I, I think Dick Cop catches Milo and Clarissa's mom, and Milo six Clarissa's mom on Dick Cop's hair, and he, turns out he just has a toupee, but she has, like, already strangled him out. Like, he's not dead, but he's, like, unconscious in the bushes. That's so she, funny part. I like she it. did something to him. Like, she, like, absolutely got to him because she wanted the hair so bad. But then... She delilah his Samson. Yeah, there you go. And then Milo takes the police officer's uniform and goes inside, but it clearly doesn't matter because no one seems to really notice Milo. Oh, yeah, he's busy shunting. Yeah. Getting their shunt it is the ultimate we capitalist orgy, and you know what I, I just wrote? Capitalist? 
coolest wrote, orgy. I wrote Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Paul Ryan would totally go. Ted Ferguson is the sweetest Paul Ryan. Or, yeah. or, yeah. or Ted Cruz. No, <laughs> no, no he's no. too straight-laced. Ted, there's no character that everybody hates who is in society. That's what there have to be. Smooth Ms. Ferguson. Yeah. Other than that. <laughs> or, or, or Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're in like the last five minutes yeah. of the movie. Oh so. my god. How does Ted meet his demise? The, the I just easiest wanna, way. I just want to go back and relish in how disgusting the shunting scene is. Because like, the, the, the people whose faces are like all stretched out and their mouths are like like six inches away from their faces. You know what that reminds me of? The, um, you know in Beetlejuice when Gina yeah, Davis has to look out Yeah, her. she has to, like, pull out her lip. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. Oh, it makes me think of an army of darkness when Ash gets his yeah. face, like, sucked yes! into the portal. Yeah. Yes. This is a lot of good ones. And actually, Army of Darkness is after this, so I wouldn't be surprised oh. if they were mildly inspired by this. I mean, it's a similarly gross movie to this is, Sam Raimi stuff. This is totally off topic, but you guys, I know you both will care about this. Bruce... Campbell just wrote a uh, autobiography. Oh, his Ooh. first autobiography, If Chins Could Kill, is really fun. <laughs> oh, I think his new book is called, like, The Mindfulness of the Chin, or something that like that. That sounds right, yeah. Because, <laughs> of course, it is. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Okay, but anyway, back to shunting. So basically, Ted, Ted and Billy, it somehow comes to a thing where, uh, I think Clarissa frees Billy... But Billy is still sort of trapped, and so is his, his play. He's like, Ted, I'm going to fight you. We're going to fight one-on-one. And Ted starts, like, whooping the shit out of Billy. Yeah. And he, cause he, has, he has shunting powers. He also has magical abilities to throw him through the air. Yeah, he's super strong. But then, um, I, I, I think, yeah, at some point, uh, Clarissa tries to stop him. They're kiss-fighting. Yeah. They kiss-fight. Yeah. What's the benefit of being in this society? Because none of these people are, like, more beautiful or more handsome or like getting younger. I they think, get to fuck each other. I they get, just again, get to fuck each other? I think to make another Nickelodeon reference, do you remember the episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark where the old woman had like beautiful women come to her studio and she would turn them into dogs and then take their beauty and use their beauty to like stay young? No, I don't remember that episode. Spoiler no. alert. That sounds awesome. <laughs> but I, uh, to me, it's like that, where it's like, oh, of course. They they, they take They're the essence. They're rich, so they can. They okay. take the essence from people, and they use the essence to live forever. Okay. Ooh, it's like Dark Crystal, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a long history of, of well, characters and you, taking essence. You made the very appropriate Wicker Man uh, reference. Yes. Of how Billy yeah. is basically. They had to raise this kid just to kill him off one day. Yeah. Yeah. 18 years. And actually, like, to me, this, I, I do think the original Wicker Man is a great movie. Did I just specify which we're going to talk about? But the Wicker Man... Why you don't think the Nicolas Cage one yeah. is an amazing movie? But the Wicker Man ending, for me, is one of those endings that only works in Wicker Man, and any other time I see it replicated, it is frustrating and deeply unsatisfying. Because what it essentially is is like the the thing of like the the whole everything we've been led to believe was it was all a lie slash it was all preordained for this one moment and so it more or less any any character stuff that happened is more or less meaningless because it was all a lie. It works for Wicker Man because there's a lot of subtextual stuff that they actually do, but a lot of other times it doesn't work. Who's the original Wicker Man? Is it Ryan O'Neill? No, it's, um, I want to say it's Edward Woodward. 
Oh, okay. Uh, who it, it very briefly, very briefly makes a. He's he's in Hot Fuzz, which also has the Wicker Man sort of ah, plot, like the secret yeah. society controlling everything. But in this movie, because we know we start from Billy's point of view, and we know there's something wrong, and then we we see so much about the secret society and have like it's not just this like godlike power, but it does have like holes and and openings to it so we actually see we learn about this conspiracy and then we actually have the catharsis of some sort of escape if not actually defeating it because yeah it is like a godlike conspiracy to some degree still he's not going to be able to just by knowing about it like shunt one guy and then he wins it's too big he, he can only run away and so what happens is well and how did okay this is really getting into the mythology yeah. but like how do people in the shunting society have children if all they have to do is like meld into each other to the they to just have meld sex the sperm so do they into the egg. yeah okay like, but are they just, allowed to meld like, while they're pregnant what like maybe the man's no like while testes meld with the woman's ovaries it's <laughs> just like really short hand oh, the process honey, I forgot to get my testes back from there was house. actually a hairy taint shot in the movie did you see it no I missed oh, it oh man yeah I really, saw it really bummed <laughs> <laughs> bummed nice <laughs> good one but um <laughs> alright uh, but anyway so Ted is beating the shit out of Billy and at some point Clarissa's like stop it dad stop it and he hits her and and Clarissa's mom sees this and jumps on him but he gets away from her but somehow this like creates an opening for Bill to like Bill and Ted are fighting Bill and Ted. I just realized it was Bill and Ted Bill and Ted's <laughs> shunting adventures <laughs> God, how did we not get to this sooner? Oh my god. <laughs> but Ted is like, ki Ted kisses Bill, and he's like going to do the He thing starts getting turned on. He well, he starts he starts getting his hand ready to like stick his finger in Bill's grundle, and... Uh, in his chuckle. <laughs> in his, his plop-plop. And, um, and, uh... Bill, like, hold, grabs his hand and, like, forces him away, and then Ted, like, pulls his face out, and his mouth is, like, telescoping out, and he's doing, like, a... Like, some sort of, like, weird noise as his tongue flaps around, and Bill sticks his fingers inside of uh, Ted, in, through Ted's balls or whatever, and sticks his hand up, and you see, like, his fingers pop out Ted's eyes, and his thumbs stick out of Ted's mouth, and he grabs Ted's face from inside and pulls Ted inside, inside out. out. Yeah. And in one of what has to be one of the coolest deaths in any movie yeah. ever. Definitely. <laughs> Especially that it's depicted so gruesomely and thoroughly. So it's not like you have to imagine. You're like, no, I know what it would look like for a person to get turned inside out now. <laughs> no, Holy we shit. don't because there was no blood. Yeah, that's right. There's like just worms and it's dirt worms inside of him. and brown and there's... <laughs> so it's what it would look like to see the alien... Society from society <laughs> turned inside out. But sometimes that's all you need. And then nobody fights Billy after that. Yeah, he's like, I've got to get out of here. And Milo pulls out a fucking gun that he had the whole time. <laughs> and they he had leave. a gun? Yeah, he had a gun. He's pointing it. And they grab Clarissa and leave, notably abandoning Clarissa's mother forever. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy punches his dad on the way out. And calls him Butthead one last time. Solid. And then they get in the Jeep and just drive away. Like, drive away as fast as possible. 
And then Judge Carter and uh, the therapist are just kind of standing side by side. The, ther- the therapist's name is Dr. Cleveland. Dr. Cleveland. And judge, judge, <laughs> the judge says to Dr. Cleveland, I might have an opening next summer. Know what I mean? And then... Emily, what does what does uh, Doctor Cleveland and then say? The therapist says, <laughs> "Cut to black. End of movie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The last fifteen minutes are so worth. It. Oh my god, yeah. It's just like it's all build up it's to like, the end. Yeah, it's like a freak show. For 15 minutes straight, and then it ends on, like, it ends on, like, a bad version of a song, like, it hot. (laughs) Yeah! Nobody's perfect. Yeah. But, like, this is perfect because at first I was like, oh my god, nobody's chasing him, he has their secret with, oh, no, it doesn't matter, they're rich, they'll live through it, they'll be fine. Yeah, they They don't don't care. care. Yeah, and they didn't even care that, uh, Smooth Mooth. Ferguson got turned inside out. Yeah. Nobody had any compassion for him. What's the inside out song I'm trying to think of? Inside out. Or spoons a, inside out. I was or say, I was swallow my doubt, turn it inside <laughs> out like Ted, the tycoon Ferguson. Yeah, do that. <laughs> I, I think I was thinking of the spoon. All right. Spoon There's one. a lot of inside out But songs. that's really good. So you guys got anything else you were talking about? Oh my god. I just, I can't stop with the ending. Yeah. I, what's the Michael Scott quote from The Office that he just hates society so much he doesn't even consider himself a part of it? (laughs) So that's apropos. God, yeah, there's so many good Michael Scott quotes. (laughs) Uh, uh, So the, the director... He, I found only one quote uh, about this movie from him. There's an interview he did where he talks about this movie, but this was like the explicit quote. He said, I guess you might say it's about fear and paranoia in Beverly Hills. (laughs) I saw, I think maybe it was that same interview where he said something about like, oh, well, you know, some people were doing some eat the rich stuff. And I thought, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) Yes, he had a t-shirt that said Eat the Rich, <laughs> yeah. which I need to get that I shirt. I need to yeah. get that. I'll make us all Eat the Rich shirts. Soon to be in the Secret Cinema Store. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was only shot in five weeks. Nice. And um, I think this is so smart, but the director, so he, he, like we said earlier, he was a producer for Stuart Gordon's movies, so he produced Reanimator, and because he was the producer... I'm not sure how this works, but he had the rights to Reanimator instead of Stuart Gordon, which, is that how that works? I mean, the producer, yeah, it's producers. I, I'm not a producer. I, I have produced things, but not in, like, that degree, and so I don't understand. Yeah, so, anyway, because he he was a producer on Reanimator, he had the rights to it, and so he was able to get funding from this company in Japan, but part of the deal was he wanted to... Brian uh, uh, Yusna, he wanted to establish himself as a director, and he thought he would have a better chance if he directed two movies rather than one. And so what he pitched to them was, okay, you guys can help me make The Bride of Reanimator, but before I make that movie, I'm going to make Society. And so they gave him funding based on the fact that he was going to direct both of those movies. 
Which I think that's so Super smart. Super smart move. Did not pay out for him, but not no. his fault, necessarily. I mean, he it's a good did, idea. He did get to direct a lot of stuff. He, he directed he, The Dentist. I know! And I actually really like that movie. Yeah, that movie's fucking um, nuts. He also directed Beyond Reanimator, but that movie's... Well, we haven't seen it, so we don't know. Yeah. I will, I can only assume... Yeah. It's probably not as good as Reanimator. I yeah. think that's safe to say. Did he co-write other... Stuart Gordon movies too because I know he he produced like most of them yeah, I, I don't like think he wrote to some them. degree he like worked on he was like a story guy it, no matter what he and Stuart Gordon are like a team on mo- a lot of sure. these movies it isn't just simple like oh I'm, I go to Brian Houston I need money Brian Houston is like very clearly involved and watching Society if you watch it in the context of Stuart Gordon's movies from this era it really fits in by the way, I want to go back to the shower scene with the sister <laughs> yeah. and how uh, Billy. Billy, walked, <laughs> Billy walked in on his sister. The reason she wasn't so upset and the reason that there were no consequences for Billy is because she was already fucking her parents. Yeah, she's not his sister. She's like an right. alien. And he's like, it's it's like if your dog walked in on you in the shower. You're like, get out of here. Billy! The dog! <laughs> Some people I know shower with their dogs. Yep. I told you that about my like ex-roommate who showered with her cat and talked to it in baby voice the whole time. That's weird. Yeah. Well, hey, but, you know, teach his own. I don't know. I've talked to animals in baby voices. And a lot of cats do like to be in Yeah, shower. oh, sure, but cats through are... every every time you took a shower, through the whole shower, imagine no, that. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys want to get into your teachable moments? Uh, I realized halfway through recording that I needed to have a teachable moment because, of course, I didn't prepare I one, and right, I am well, struggling. I got, I got one. I can get started. So you're struggling too, Uh, Ellen? My teachable moment is just that we need to have more movies that are like this, but more of a payoff where the rich people get fucked over. (laughs) Like, there's no consequence to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, our protagonist, if we cared about him, it might have been a frustrating end for him to get shunted, uh, but there's just nothing. Like, he escapes and what? I don't know. Yeah, it's very, very light satire. Like, it's it's the lightest touch that could really be brought on this where you could still call it satirizing uh, this topic, but it's it has no bite. It's not vicious satire. It's mostly just, like, winking. Yeah. Like, knowing that you'll get it, but not really trying to start a... Nobody's gonna be... Well, nobody's gonna be like, oh my god, they're offending me. No, it's yeah. just an offensive movie to people who don't like gross things. Right, yeah. and the, peop- the people who are the bad people in the movie and the people who are being victimized... Even though there's supposed to be this class difference, it doesn't really feel. No, you can't it's really all feel Beverly it. Hills. Yeah, yeah, it's still all Beverly Hills. Yeah, because apparently Shauna is poor. Or yeah. she not she had a rich. matching scrunchie for her bikini. So how poor really is she? Yeah, and she was still spoiled, spoiled little shit based on she had her own car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, so that's a good point. Yeah, well, I my my teachable moment was just that. Like we said, the great part about society and the reason to watch it is the third act. And the third act is awesome, not just because it's, it is effectively gross and everything, but it is genuinely surprising. In even, like, as, as good of a, a moviegoer as you are and as good as you've gotten as at predicting where a movie's going, if you don't know where society is going, nothing at all 
lead you to predict the shot. You haven't seen anything like it before in another movie. Yeah, well, and why would you predict it? And I don't know why we, like, this is really a very pointed, uh, noticeable problem in Hollywood right now, which is that no movies do this. No movies have, like, great bizarro set pieces where it's like, oh, let's show them something they've never seen before. Like, if you do see something you've never seen before in a movie, it is a throwaway. Like, I'd say a good example is, like, Doctor Strange, which has these amazing special effects and is, like, all this super bizarre, interesting imagery in a fucking boring Marvel movie. Like, it's... Well, and it's all CG. It's all... Well, it's... But it's still... My point is, it's still... CG, I, I don't necessarily think CG is better, but it can create interesting, surprising oh, images. Sure. And there's, it's ridiculous that Hollywood isn't trying to like make easy money by just releasing like think okay like think about back to like Psycho in 1960 and how the ad campaign for Psycho was Hitchcock would have like posters in the theater that would say no one is allowed in Psycho uh, once it starts like you have to see the whole thing and you cannot uh, and then also reviewers don't spoil what happens in Psycho like there's a lot of build up to the surprise the surprise what is important and obviously the the good movies are more complicated than the surprise but an audience goes to a movie to experience something and why would you take why would you just keep making more and more of these like obvious movies where you get a catharsis that's predictable <laughs> and you have a villain that's predictable and your audience is like might get a few nice moments like make a movie that the point is to do something new even at, like we say like inception is like the big budget equivalent of this where it's not necessarily um like a shocking movie or anything, but Christopher Nolan was like, but what you've never if? seen anything it's, like it yeah, before. No. Yeah, he's like, let's create some film they vocabulary. Very yeah. expensive sets to do things nobody had ever done before. And yeah. it's worth it. Like, I mean, clearly it paid off for Christopher Nolan. It wasn't like we did it and it was a waste of money. Like, people fucking showed up. I remember that was the one that time... That gave him a free pass for life. Yeah. I mean, that was... Inception was the movie, the only time I think in my life where I lied to someone about what time the movie was showing so that I knew we would get there on time. <laughs> like, it was, like, important. <laughs> because you saw the trailers and you're like, I have to know what the fuck this is. Yeah. And society, the trailer for society spoils a little more than I would like it to. But if you see that trailer and you see the moment where the... The, the therapist's head has been replaced with the rock on hands. You're like, what the fuck? What, oh my what God, I fuck? totally forgot about what, yeah. that. So yeah. that's my teachable moment that I kind of rambled through is, yeah, make if you're going to make a movie and you're not trying to make like an art film or you don't have like a, a message to convey, genre movies are great and make a surprising uh, weird genre movie. Have fun with the surprise part of it. That's, God, I'm trying to think of the last movie where... There was something I'd never seen before. It's tough. I mean, you... you. Actually, the movie I thought of, and it's not that I've never seen it before, it's that I never thought that that would happen, was when we went and saw The Book of Henry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Don't Breathe, when that moment where you're like, oh, the, the whole insemination elements oh, of Don't Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> where you're like, wow, this movie's going for it. Yeah. <laughs> They're really gonna push this. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, that mine is a gross example. I, actually, I really liked the Belko experiment. Yeah, actually, the Bel I mean, Belko experiment, that's a genre we visit all the time. But, right, yeah. but I, I, 
I think they were doing something that, you know, you don't really see a lot. Yeah, God, they don't make movies where, like, you can't predict the ending anymore. Yeah. I feel like I always predict the ending. Yeah, it's no fun. I've I've seen a lot of movies where the first two acts, I thought it was, like, (laughs) like, the greatest movie ever, and then the third act ruined it because I was like, oh, I knew the whole time this was going to be the ending, and you were just holding out hope that the movie's going to surprise you, and it doesn't. And it's, again, that's why it's so important. Is that why you like Errol Morris documentaries? Oh, my (laughs) God, yes. Well, and that's because it's based in reality. Yeah. And it's like, it's like reality becomes fiction because... But, like, a movie like Mr. Death, right, that's Errol Morris? Yeah, or Tabloid. Yeah, they just, you're like, wait, this is about a person who is normal until what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tabloid is... Because I always remember when I watch Tabloid and you're like... Okay, so this woman is, like, a little crazy. She kidnapped this Mormon guy. Whatever. She got in the tabloids in the 70s. Oh, she wrote, uh... Did she, is she the one that wrote, like, a, a children's book? Yeah. She wrote a children's book, and then the movie ends with her, like, cloning her dog? <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. what the yeah. fuck? What a story arc. And it's a real person. It's It's nuts. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have a teachable moment ready for I mean, my, like, easy teachable moment is I think there's something to be said for actual special effects versus CG. Mm-hmm. I know CG is now easy, uh, easier, I should say. It doesn't seem easy. It looks really hard well, to do. Well, as pointed out with the Life of Pi thing, it's It's, it's very also, difficult. like, very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this, I... I know for a fact that this movie did not have a huge budget, but I'm sure a big chunk of the budget went to that last scene. And that last scene is why we're still talking about this movie almost 20 years later. Yeah. So. That last scene is why people at Odd Obsession would call it the greatest movie in the store. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 30. Oh, shit. I forgot how old I was for a hot second. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 30 years. Fuck. Do you think that Baywatch babe is still sexy? Which one? Oh, Baywatch the guy? Babe. Billy? Yeah, what's the actor, the lead actor? His name? actual name is Billy. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, wait, oh, on. is it Billy Warlock? Yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. Ooh, he's a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> he is a wizard. You're a wizard, Billy. Um... Yeah, he still is pretty handsome. He was on, like, all the soaps until maybe, like, a couple of years ago. I I know my mom knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, get your mom on the phone for a uh, Billy Warlock special. <laughs> yeah. Or just Google him. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. All right, well... If that's it, we seem to be petering out. (laughs) This has been The Secret Cinema. Uh, I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. I'm Emily. Thanks for coming back, Emily. Yeah, thanks, Emily. Yeah, bye. For shunting with us. Hi again. No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare invoke that. (laughs) All right, bye. 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 Well, Dr. Cleveland, it looks as though I may have an opening in Washington next summer. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Carone. All theme songs and original music are written and performed by Ricardo Ortiz. 
Any additional music or samples are taken from the film featured on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chafee. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.carriechafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at www.vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at www.letterbox.com slash Follow The Secret Cinema on Instagram at Secret Cinema Podcast, on Twitter at Covert Celluloid, or like us on Facebook. Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law. Secret Cinema is a product of Larry Lake Productions. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.